0: All right, good morning. Um, if we could turn to First John, please. Okay, in our reading this morning, uh, we've got a big word in there, so I thought I'd better um, just maybe look at that before we start. And the big word is propitiation. And what this means, or what this is talking about, is about Jesus being the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Okay, so reading from verse 5. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an Advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now in today's message, we are going to look at three common misconceptions on the subject of sin, and we'll come to that a little bit later. But first of all, we're going to take a bit of a look at a question that's quite often posed to Christians. And the question is this, do we focus too much on sin? While I was researching, I came across a string of internet blogs. And for those of us who are a little bit less technically um, uh, versed, An internet blog is like an opinion poll that someone puts out there. It's an opinion column that they make a comment on something and invite other people to come back and comment on that and they get a bit of a debate going. So I came across a string of internet blogs that had a central theme of asking that question. Do Christians focus too much on sin? Some of the commentators even expressed the opinion that we are obsessed with sin. Most of these opinions were being expressed by non-Christians but I think I've come across one here that was expressed by a guy who is within the church. Now, I'm just going to do my disclaimer bit here. I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with any or all of his opinion or his statements. In fact, I won't even be addressing all the points that he makes. But we will be looking at how sin is an important subject for us to consider. Uh, This gentleman's name is David Cludd. As I read through, you'll see that he's probably from the States. And um, he put forward this opinion and he wants church people to consider and debate it. When I was visiting a family over Thanksgiving, I had a conversation with some Southern Baptist family members who speak often of a friend of theirs who they care much about. They said this friend is very curious about Christianity and Jesus, but always gets hung up on the sin thing. You hear all the time that many people love the idea of Jesus, but they hate the church that represents him, or that Christians are hypocrites because they always talk about sin, sin in the world, sin in people's lives, etc., while turning a blind eye to their own shortcomings. Christians try to solve the problems of the church by rallying around the idea of hate the sin, love the sinner. But the North American culture finds Christians increasingly annoying and irrelevant. A personal aside, people hate when you say hate the sin, love the sinner. And it's a personal pet peeve to trivialise deeply significant issues with such a trite phrase. As a word, Sin has lost its meaning and theological gravity. In our culture's vernacular, we talk about chocolate cake being sinfully good. We call one of our favourite getaways Sin City. Sin has ceased to be a serious word in the North American culture. Outside of the narrow Christian world, any sense of sin as a serious category for behaviour or explaining the world has been lost. Sin is once a weighty but now vacuous term, something we use to talk about chocolate-covered strawberries and slot machines, rather than the condition of our hearts and communities. What do you think? If people are intrigued by Jesus but but get hung up on the sin thing, does it make sense to jettison sin and find new ways to talk about the problems we face? And so he was inviting people to, to comment on that and, and there was a little bit of a debate that essued on that. But that, that was sort of typical of the sort of comments that were coming through on those sorts of things. So do we focus too much on sin? Well, let's turn to John's writing and see what God's word has to say to us on the matter of sin. And the best place to start is to start with God himself. And we see that John declares to us that God is light. This is the message that we heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now this isn't a statement that John has just come up with. He is simply stating a truth about God that he has heard from Jesus. This reference of God being light is found right throughout scripture. In scripture, the term light is mainly used to portray truth and the revelation of truth, that is God's word. The words light and truth are interchangeable when referring to God. The term light is also used to portray everything that is good and pure and this light leads to salvation. This statement from John is like a positive and negative statement all wrapped up into one and he brings forward a central theme. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So when we look at light we say that light is truth, goodness, holiness and purity. And darkness is falsehood, ignorance, evil and impurity. So when we refer to God in the statement we are saying that God is true, good, holy and pure. And John reinforces this first statement by bringing forward a negative statement which tells us what God isn't. In God there is nothing false, there is no ignorance, no evil, or nothing impure. Our text goes on to reference to walking in light and walking in darkness. And these are two contrasting lifestyles. One is characterised by wickedness and error, and the other by holiness and truth. Now, to some of you, what I'm sharing in the first part of today's message will sound familiar. And it's basically a summary of a message that I brought along to a youth service that we had earlier in the year. It is, however, the platform for the second part of today's message. So that's why we're sort of just touching on it again. Now, walking speaks of how we live our lives. So to walk in light we need to be travelling the paths of our lives with the illumination of God's truth and holiness. If we don't, we are actually stumbling in darkness and we have no relationship with God. So what does it look like to walk in the light? Well, let's start with the state of darkness as a way of comparison. The first thing we notice when we look at, at the darkness is that God is not there. We know this because God is light, and if he was there, there would be no darkness. As we have already mentioned, in darkness there is evil, error, impurity, and there is no salvation. Why is there no salvation? Well, it has got to do with sin. It's because when it comes to us and our relationship with God, it is our sin that acts as a barrier between us and God it can either stop us from having a relationship with God fully or it can affect the growth of our relationship with God. In this place of darkness, there is sin. Because there is no light from God, sin goes unchecked. It is habitual and it is either ignored or it is denied. So anyone in this state is wandering around in darkness, but they usually don't sense it. And the sort of thing that they say, and it's typical of them to say is, I'm okay and I'm fine. They say this because their sin is either denied or ignored. Therefore they are living in denial or ignorance. But they just don't see it that way. So far as sin is concerned, if anyone chooses to remain in this place, sin remains unchecked and the separation from God is maintained and they will remain in this darkness for now and forever. Full stop, end of story. That is unless they respond to the light of God. Someone can live in darkness, but in their lifetime there is always hope and the opportunity to move from the darkness to the light. Okay, so that's walking in darkness. What about walking in the light? Well, the first thing that we will notice about that is that God is the source of the light. This is the place where God is at. This is why if we want to have fellowship with God, then this is the place that we need and want to be. As we know, light speaks to us of truth, purity and salvation. And the light is revealed to us in God's word. The people exposed to this light are walking in the light, which speaks to us of how They are living their lives. They shouldn't be standing still, but they should be moving, walking, maturing and growing in Christ. How does sin fit into this picture? Well, when we become Christians, when we move from the darkness to God's light, God has dealt with all our sin through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We move from dark to the light through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Does this mean that we no longer sin? Are we now perfect? No. As we know, it is still within our nature to sin. So we still sin in thought and practice. The difference is that we should not be living in unchecked habitual sin as we would have done if we were in the darkness. Because we are in the light of God, God's light reveals our sin to us. Our sin is exposed and no longer hidden. You can't hide it from the light of God. We need to confess that sin and it is a continual process of confession and repentance. We and God are continuously dealing with our sin. And One of the youth brought up a big word the other night which describes this process and that was sanctification. To sanctify something is to be set, to set it apart or to make it holy. Of course, in our lifetime, we will never be as holy as God. We will still have the sinful nature within our human nature. However, we are to proceed or walk on that sanctifying path with the light of God showing the way. God is holy; therefore, as His people, one of our central concerns should be the pursuit of a holy and righteous life. God puts it quite simply in Leviticus 11.44. He says, For I am the Lord your God, you shall consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Peter expands on this in his first letter. He encourages us as obedient children to no longer conform to the lusts of our former ignorance but to be holy in our conduct. Now when we look at these two states of lifestyles of walking in the light and walking in the darkness, I'm reminded of part of Chris's message from last week. He referred to those who fear the Lord and those who don't. And this is what he shared about the differences between the two. Those who fear the Lord live in reverence of Almighty God. They love His Son Jesus and they live by the Holy Spirit and are strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Those who don't fear the Lord have little or no reverence of Almighty God. They have no experience of Jesus, and they live according to the mortal nature that they were born with. And that brings us on to the next part of our message. In the next part of John's text here, he brings us three statements or claims that just don't stack up. All of these claims are dealing with the subject of sin. John is like an early version of the Mythbusters. He takes each of these claims, he tests them with the truth of God and he busts them as the myth that each one of them is. But he doesn't stop there. He also makes a positive and true statement in response to each of these claims. Each of these new statements offers a solution to the problem of sin. So what are these three false claims? Well, claim number one is this. We can have fellowship with God and while we're doing that, walk in darkness. And that's dealt with in verses six and seven. Claim number two, we have no sin. And claim number three is, we have not sinned. So two of them sound a bit similar, but there's actually a little bit of difference in them. Now I can't tell you where these claims come from. I don't know whether these are actual claims that were made by people, or whether John recognised these attitudes within or around the church. What is important is that each of them are as exposed as being false and not valid. Claim number one, we can have fellowship with God and walk in darkness. And there's other ways or other similar claims that we can make to this as well. It's the same as saying, I can be righteous without living a righteous life. Or I can be a Christian but I do not need to go to the cross of Christ for cleansing and forgiveness. Or once I am a Christian I do not need to lead a consistently holy life. These can be conscious statements that we make or live by or we can be in the situation that we just don't realise that this is what we're doing. It's that stumbling in the dark thing again. How does John respond to this claim? Well, John doesn't really mince words about it to be honest. This is what he says. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. How can he say this? Well, if we test the statement in the light of God's word, we see that it just doesn't stack up. We know that God cannot abide sin. We know that sin is a barrier between God and mankind. If this barrier is not negated by the cross of Christ, then sin has not been dealt with. The person in this situation is still dead in their sin and they are living in darkness without God. They can claim to be in fellowship with God but are actually nowhere near Him. In Psalms 5.4 it says this, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. And in 2 Corinthians 6, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Romans 6. And I think we've got 1 to 14, but we're just going to... Oh, yeah. No, we'll leave Romans 6 at the moment. Okay, you cannot claim to be in the light with God living in the dark. John goes on to bring us a word of truth in response to this claim. Walk in the light as he is in the light. And the results are that we can have fellowship with one another. When we look back to verse 3, which we didn't read this morning, but if we look back at verse 3 in 1 John, we see that this fellowship is granted upon our fellowship with the Father and the Son. The other result is is that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. God forgives our sin and erases the stain of sin. John Stott says this about the subject. What is clear is that if we walk in the light, God has made provision to cleanse us from whatever sin would otherwise mar our fellowship with him for each other. This provision is the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. That is to say, the virtue of his death for our sins. This is the only explicit reference in the epistle to the saving power of the death of Jesus Christ. Claim number two, we have no sin. So people who make this claim are essentially saying that sin does not exist in my nature. And other things, statements that we've heard are things like There is no such thing as sin. And Another statement also, and one that probably has a little bit of validity is that evil is a product of upbringing and environment. Now while this claim has some validity, in the sense that our upbringing and environment can have a range of positive to detrimental effects on our character and nature, the underlying fact is that we all naturally have a sinful nature. How does John respond to this statement, to this claim? Well, pretty much the same way that he responded to the first one. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The word of God tells us in Romans, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. In Ephesians 2 And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature Children of wrath, just as the others. So sin entered the world through Adam, and everyone born inherited the sinful nature, and as such, by this nature, we were children of wrath. I know, it's not fair. I know it's not our fault, but it's a cold, hard fact. But wait, not all is lost. John also goes on to bring us good news about this fact. The word that John brings us is that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful. He is faithful by his nature, faithful to his covenant promises and faithful to his word. He is also just. He is just because he cannot and does not excuse sin lightly is also just because he sent his son to die in our place, paying the price for our sin. It's not that the cost of our sinful nature has somehow magically disappeared. The cost has been paid by Jesus. Justice has been served. So to move from darkness to light, there are a few things that need to happen. First of all, we need to recognise what God has revealed to us. We need to recognise the state that we are in that we are walking in darkness, that we are without God because of our sinful nature and the sins that we have committed have separated us from God. We then need to confess our sin, we need to repent, turn away from our sinful nature and turn to God. And because Jesus was faithful and just and died in the face of our sin, we can now walk in the light we receive the Holy Spirit who guides and strengthens us throughout our new life of following Christ. Psalm 32 And this is quite awesome. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. In Proverbs 28 verse 13 He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes him will have mercy. Okay, let's move on to the last claim that John is looking at this morning. I do not, we have not sinned. And that's the same as saying, I do not practice sin. Or similarly, we get into the justification mode and think because our sin wasn't that bad or that we had good reasons to sin, that it's not really a sin. We hear things like, It's only a white lie. At least I'm not as bad as that other guy. Everybody does it. Or, hey, I can explain why I did what I did. How does John respond to this? He says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. God's word frequently declares that sin is universal, and the gospel clearly assumes the sinfulness of man. We look at Psalm 14. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. So we see from God's word that all have gone astray. Not one is good. We all sin in thought and deed. And John brings us this truth in response to that claim. My little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. John is calling for prevention here. And God calls us to live holy lives. However, we read on. If and when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Father. Now I have a quote here from someone by the name of Smith. Now I couldn't find his first name, so I'm not sure which Smith he is. You can try and look up the phone book if you like and track him down. And within his quote there is another big word, so I'll just explain that to you now. Um, The big word is vicarious or vicarious. Uh, And it means to take the place of another person. In, In essence, to be a substitute. Our advocate does not plead that we are innocent or induce extenuating circumstances. He acknowledges our guilt and presents his vicarious work as the ground of our acquittal. So, basically, our advocate doesn't say to God the Father, Jesus doesn't say, hey, they haven't sinned. And he doesn't even go on to say, hey there's some really good reasons why this person has sinned. But what he does do is he is our substitute and he stands in the place and pays the cost for us. Okay, Jesus Christ the righteous and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the whole world. Jesus has been described as being righteous. And it's only through a righteous Saviour that we can be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Jesus is also described as being the propitiation for our sins. As I said earlier, propitiation means that Jesus is the atoning sacrifices of our sin, for our sins. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we now have a relationship with God and we can now walk in the light and have eternal life. In conclusion, Let's go back to our blog on the topic of sin. As Christians, do we talk about sin too much? Do we obsess with sin? Well, maybe in some cases there are people who see a demon in every tree and cup and tea. However, I don't believe in general that we talk too much about sin or that, for that matter that we focus on it too much. There's a good chance that people who make such claims have misconceptions about sin. And we have looked at some of those misconceptions this morning. And we'll see that those misconceptions were around in John's time and those same misconceptions are around today. You see, sin is an important issue to the Christian. In the first instance, it is sin that keeps us separated from God. We naturally have a sinful nature. If we don't recognise this, if we don't confess our sin, that is to repent, our sin goes unchecked. We walk in darkness and that is where we stay. However, if we recognise our situation, confess our sin, turn away from it and submit our lives to God following Christ, we are then walking in the light. The separation from God because of our sinful nature is dealt with. Having said that, sin is still an issue in our lives as Christians. We still sin in thought and deed, And because we walk in the light of the truth of God, our sins are clearly exposed to us. God expects us to not allow this sin to go unchecked. Christian maturity is all about becoming more like Christ. Ongoing unrepented sin will no doubt hinder this maturity. We and God are continuously dealing with our sin. And there's that big word again, sanctification. When we take a look at our text, Yes, sin is an important subject but look at what God has to say about it. If you look at the right hand side of the slide there we can see the wonderful truth that God has stated about the solution to the sin problem. Our focus should be just as much on these truths. If we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. When it comes to God's word, the problem of sin and the solutions to the problem of sin go hand in hand. Both are important topics for us to work through and to present to others. Let us give praise to God and we will close in prayer. Lord this morning we have looked at Lord, how you have provided for us in the area of sin. Lord how you have sent your Son to stand in our place. Lord the sacrifice that he made so that we can walk in the light. Lord we just pray for anyone here this morning who, who do not know you. And Lord we pray that your word is spoken to them and Lord that they would consider these things very seriously. Lord we also pray for us as believers too Lord. Lord, we We thank you that we can walk in the light. We thank you that we have your Holy Spirit to guide us. Lord, we thank you that you have your word that can just show us the areas and where we're at with things that hinder our walk with you. Lord, we want to be a people who continually move on in you. We want to be a people who are continually walking in the light, who are continually growing more and more like you. Lord, we pray that as we go forward this week, that Lord, that you'll show us any areas in our lives where there are hindrances. And Lord, show us so that we can, Lord, come to you and confess any areas of sin, but Lord, also to be able to just to, to overcome those things with your help and with your strength. In Jesus' name, Amen.